In the name of one God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank goodness, as we gather today, we no longer have to worry uh, about where LeBron will play basketball next year. Uh, that has been thankfully settled. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually, I've, I've been intrigued. Uh, my first love right now is the World Cup, and so can't wait to see the final today. Very excited about that. I've been following that, but, but inevitably, along with, um, you know, it's like ticker tape news, along with everyone else, I've been watching the LeBron James saga, where he will sign, where he will play next year, and it's been, really, it's been fascinating because basically one individual uh, has had the NBA log jammed. All the other teams, all the other players are waiting to see what LeBron James will decide, and now that he's decided, um, all the various people are, are scrambling and the pieces are falling into place, so um, rest easy. He's going to Cleveland in case you missed it. Um, there it is. Um, well, I share all that with you because uh, I, I read, um, and I'll read a little bit to you, you may not have a copy with you. Uh, he wrote a letter, and it was published in Sports Illustrated, announcing um, his decision. And it's been sort of an interesting process to follow. If, if you remember four years ago, it was this media spectacle where he announced that he would be taking his talents to South Beach and basically rioting erupted in Cleveland. His jerseys were burned. The owner, Dan Gilbert of the Cleveland Cavaliers, posted this letter. It was actually just taken off their website a few days ago, uh, excoriating um, LeBron James uh, over his cowardly actions, over his deserting um, the people of, of Cleveland. And, and basically, he said, a pox on you, um, as, you go, as you go from Cleveland. And uh, LeBron James is sort of talked about some of his different motivations. And as I say, it's, it's been interesting to follow. And, and really one of the neat things about it, ultimately, he's desired to reconcile uh, with the Cavaliers, reconcile uh, with his native land of Ohio. And he's he mentioned on a number of occasions now uh, the realization that he has the opportunity to have an impact beyond just basketball. Uh, and that's really what he's thinking about. He, he loves his native land, and he wants to have an impact um, beyond just... Uh, of course, it helps he has two championships now. So, you know, that gives you a little perspective. But he desires to go back, and he writes these, uh, he writes these words. He said, Before anyone ever cared where I would play basketball, I was a kid from northeast Ohio. It's where I walked, it's where I ran, it's where I cried, it's where I bled. It holds a special place in my heart. People there have seen me grow up. I sometimes feel like I'm their son. Their passion can be overwhelming, but it drives me. I want to give them hope when I can. I want to inspire them when I can. My relationship with Northeast Ohio is bigger than basketball. I didn't realize that four years ago. Um, I do now. And he, and he goes on and he, he says this desire to have an impact and to see people actually come back and bring their talents um, to Cleveland after they've gone away. And he says this, he says, that would make me smile. Our community, which has struggled so much, needs all the talent it can get. In Northeast Ohio, nothing is given. Everything is earned. You work for what you have. I'm ready to accept the challenge. I'm coming home. That was, uh, that was his letter uh, in Sports Illustrated. And as I say, uh, it, it intrigues me, his desire to reconcile and to have an impact beyond basketball. But the reason I mention it to you this morning is that it helps to introduce 
what we see in the scriptures today. And one of the things that we see in the gospel lesson, we hear about the parable of the sower, and we hear about the different types of soil. We hear about the different types of yield that comes from the soil. And the reason I bring all this up, because the truth is for all of us, who among us doesn't want to have an impact? Every one of us, in some way or another, desires um, to have an impact, desires to have some sort of legacy, desires for the things that we do to have meaning and impact um, for other people. All of us have, in some shape or fashion, um, the desire to have uh, a legacy that not only impacts others, but sort of goes um, beyond us and has an impact beyond us as well. And I'm share all of that with you, because we hear in the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus tells this parable to talk about uh, how the kingdom of God uh, begins to move and to come forth into the world. And I have mixed emotions as I read our lessons today, and perhaps I'm not the only one, because we began with that wonderful portion from the 8th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. And are there any words of greater good news than Romans 8.1? There is therefore now no condemnation um, for those in Christ Jesus. Uh, what tremendous bomb, what tremendous encouragement, what words of good news. Who among us doesn't long to hear that? There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And in fact, that 8th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans is, is a tremendous gift to the Christian because it's one of blessed assurance. It's one of the assurance of our standing in relationship with God. It begins, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you likely remember as it goes on, it then goes on to say there is no separation. Paul later writes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes through that whole list, shall nakedness or peril or famine or persecution or sword. He says, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so Romans 8 is a word of great assurance um, to you and to me that in Christ there is, for those of us through faith in him, through a relationship with him, there is for us now no condemnation uh, and there is also no separation. Uh, we could say a prayer right there. We're not. Uh, but we could. We could say a prayer right there, and that would be um, sufficient for the day. But one of the things we hear also from the sower, and I don't know about y'all, but um, I get a little anxious um, as I hear that parable. And am I alone? And the reason I say that is because as the different soils are described, um, I, I feel rocky, um, and, and I feel shallow, uh, and I feel like one who uh, withers uh, under the extremes and under the pressure. We hear about the sower going forth to sow the seed, and we hear that um, for some, uh, it, the evil one snatches it away before it even begins to take root. For others, uh, it takes root, because, but because of the shallowness of the soil, it sprouts up quickly. Uh, but then when challenges and trial and persecution and tribulation comes, uh, it fades away. For others, it, it begins to grow up and it takes root, but it can't seem to outlast um, just the cares and the concerns of this world, the things um, that we worry about, the things um, that we pursue, the things that so easily tempt us uh, and lead us away uh, from the kingdom of God and invite us to place our hope in them. And as I hear this parable of the sower and the soil, I feel uh, a little anxious because I think, you know, I don't know what kind of soil I am. Uh, and actually, I'm kind of scared uh, about what kind of soil I am. And again, I ask you, am I alone? Um, or are y'all all fabulous soil uh, as I look out upon you um, this morning? Well, as I share that with you, 
Here's another piece of good news is that reading uh, and that uh, interpretation uh, misses the mark. That reading and that interpretation misses the mark. And why do I say that? Uh, the reason I say that is this. The parable is more about the sower um, than the soil. Of greater importance um, than the soil uh, is the character and the power of the sower. Uh, let me ask you this question, uh, and I'm not uh, much of a gardener, but uh, does soil typically improve itself? Yeah, that's right. That, thank you. It's rhetorical. Um, that's good. No, soil does not typically um, soil does not typically improve itself. Let me ask you another question. Uh, in the process uh, of growth, in the process of new life, in the process of, of bringing forth fruit, um, what does the seed contribute? It's death. The seed does nothing uh, except go uh, into the ground. It's placed into the ground um, by the sower. The soil um, does not improve itself. The soil is tended and fashioned and shaped um, by the sower. And so what we hear uh, this morning in Romans 8 is the amazing character of the sower. Uh, the amazing character of God as made known to us uh, in Jesus Christ. The amazing life which is made available to you and to me. And the challenge, uh, it's a challenge just because it challenges um, our pride and it challenges our desire for control. But the reality is, what do you and I bring to the equation of our growth? What do you and I bring to the equation of our life? What do you and I bring to the equation of our salvation and of our redemption? Uh, we bring our death. Uh, that is what we bring. That is what um, we're able to offer. What we're able to offer to it uh, is coming in the recognition uh, of our need and the recognition of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ alone and what he has accomplished um, once and for all. Paul talks about the fact that we can have hope, and this follows right upon the, uh, this is not exactly news, it follows right upon chapter 7, but the significance of that one is about to say is it begins with the word therefore. Therefore there is now no condemnation um, for those in Christ Jesus. And if you remember from the seventh chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul talks about the challenge of the human condition. Now, he talks about the type of soil um, that we are and the type of soil um, that we long to be. And, and Paul says this, for he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, he goes on to write, that is the hope um, for you and for me. We all long for and desire that ability to uh, bear fruit in our lives, to be living, to be able to contribute, to be uh, able to have our lives mean something just beyond ourselves. And the reality for you and for me is we're not able to do it just by wishing hard enough and working hard enough. I mentioned uh, that letter that LeBron James sent out. Of course, it, it ends, you know, as he says those words in Northeast Ohio, nothing is given, everything is earned. You work for what you have. And surely when it comes to basketball championships, that's true. Um, but that's not the word of truth when it comes to our salvation. 
And it's not the word of truth when it comes to our being reconciled uh, in relationship with God. The good news for you and for me is this. Uh, the power of God uh, is alive and at work um, through His Spirit, working uh, in ways which are organic, in ways which are often surprising, ways which are beyond our control, but undoubtedly working, uh, bringing forth life and bringing forth His kingdom. And the good news for you and for me is we can have a hope and a security, we can have a life, we can have uh, a productivity that comes from our being in relationship with Him. And we hear again um, that good news that we're unable to accomplish it on our own, but thanks be to God that in Jesus Christ, He has accomplished it for us. And the invitation goes out to you and to me to live a life that's pleasing to God, not because of what we're able to do, but because our faith is in Him. And as our faith is in Him, uh, the Spirit uh, comes alive in our lives, uh, bringing forth fruit. So here again those words of good news which go out to you and to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's in that good news um, that we find our life. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sought us in the gift of Jesus, your Son, to reconcile us to yourself by what you accomplished through your cross and through your resurrection. Draw our hearts and minds to that truth, we pray. Plant uh, the seeds of faith within our hearts and our minds and enable them to bear fruit uh, in our lives. And this we beg in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.